0: Good morning, everyone. How's everybody doing this morning? Great. A little shoveling. It's all right. Good exercise. Um, if you are joining us online this morning, we are going to be receiving communion together at the end of the service. You can go ahead and get your elements uh, ready so that you can be joining us with that. All right. We are in week four of our made new series that we have been going through. The last three weeks is the fourth and final week. Have you've been enjoying your journals. Have you been enjoying your journals? You know, last time we checked, we have over 1,400 people that have registered for our made new journal on the Bible app. Which is fantastic. We we actually don't have locations uh, from around the world, but it's available to anyone who has the Bible app. So we're just excited that resource is being made available for anyone who wants to do it and go through it. And uh, what we are recommending as we are starting out this year, not only to go through your journal, whether you have a physical copy or going through on the Bible app, but just to add that to your Bible reading or create some sort of Bible reading program. And what we're wanting to do at the beginning of the year, we want to create some good habits in our lives so that these habits will sustain us. Um, When we are going through difficult times, at some point in 2023, everything is not going to be perfect and rosy in 2023. And if we have good habits as it relates to our relationship with God, that we're going to run to him first, like we sang about this morning. That we, that God is our our first response, and we'll talk about that here in a second. But we want to create good habits in our lives, and so this is week number four, and this is Joy Renewed. Nice, happy color for the final week of our Made New series. And we're gonna be talking about that this morning. Um, Just wanna mention again, recommending you do some sort of fasting. You know, Again, I'm mentioning it in January, but fasting is not just a January thing. If you have engaged in some uh, fasting in the month of January, you realize, hey, it's not that hard. I can actually do this. I can skip a meal or two, or I can go a day without eating or I could target something in my life food-wise that I felt like I was dependent on and I could maybe eliminate that from my diet for the purpose of leaning into God, to setting ourselves going in the right direction in the first part of 2023, because the best thing that all of us can do in 2023 is to follow the will of God for our lives. And so fasting is a part of that. Jesus said, when we fast, not if we fast. Um, So I won't necessarily be mentioning it every month uh, throughout the year, but again, know that it's not just a January thing. And if you have done any fasting, in uh, the month of January, you know that there's some sort of ancillary benefits. Your pants should be looser. Another notch on your belt. These are good things for us to do, good healthy things for us to do. Do you like healthy things? All right. (laughs) <laughs> 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says this, "'Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. "'The old has passed away. "'Behold, the new has come. "'All this is from God, "'who through Christ reconciled us to himself "'and gave us the ministry of reconciliation.'" So, God has done something for us that we could never do for ourselves through the finished work on the cross, that He has made us right with Himself gave us reconciliation and then he gave us the ministry of reconciliation does he doesn't want just us to be reconciled to himself but then he actually wants us to invite others into this relationship with himself and this is what we want to do as a church all of 2023 we want to be the type of church that where somebody can come in and somebody who's far from god doesn't have a relationship with god that they can say yes to jesus And then through a relationship uh, with one of you and just as a part of the church that they can grow in their discipleship. This is God's will for all people. So this is one of the things that we have as a church. Uh, Next Sunday, we're going to have Vision Sunday. That's an exciting time at the church. We're going to talk about some things that we're doing here at the church and just reminding ourselves um, some things from the scripture. But this is what we want to do. This is who we want to be as a church. We want to be that type of church where somebody can come in, not know God, and discover a relationship with God. So in the week, the first week, we talked about starting with prayer. That all of us, um, with our relationship with God, we know uh, the ones that we are in relationship with, we love to communicate with them. We love to talk to them. We love to see them. This is what prayer is all about—being in this vital communication with God. So we all we all want to start with prayer. Uh, the second week we talked about our thoughts, how important our thoughts are. Last week we talked about relationships and forgiveness, and then today, we're gonna to be talking about joy renewed. Now, all of these elements of this series are necessary first responders in life. Now, we know anytime there's a tragedy or something that happens in the world, we celebrate first responders. People are on the scene at the right time. And these elements in this series are necessary first responders in life. We should always start every day with prayer. Scripture says that we should always be praying, pray without ceasing. So, this is not something, again, that we put aside for the rest of the year. The necessary first responder in our life is that we should pray. What are we going to do? Well, we're going to pray first. We're not going to pray afterwards. We're going to start with communicating to God. And then, a necessary first responder is what's happening with my thought life? Where are my thoughts taking me? What are my thoughts causing me to say? What are the actions being produced from the thoughts that I'm thinking? Being aware of what our thoughts are, are so important because our thoughts control our lives. And then last week, relationships, that we are all constantly in relationships, in the home, outside of the home, at school, on the job, everywhere we are. For us to be in relationship with other people, we have to learn the skill of forgiveness. And then today, another necessary first responder is joy. Uh, a quality for our emotions, a quality that will affect our soul, that God's joy that he offers us is so necessary in our lives to experience joy, not just happiness, something deeper than happiness, that we can actually experience joy throughout our lives because we're gonna face ups and downs of circumstances and we're gonna read a story about that here in a, in a second but we can always depend on the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord is our strength, amen? Amen. Does anyone remember the song? I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. There we go, some church kids in the house. (laughs) We we have joy on the inside of us because God is on the inside of us. And we want to have a joy-filled life. We don't actually want to live sad or depressed. God actually wants us to have joy. So as we start this year, we want to decide now, this is how we're gonna respond. We're gonna respond with prayer. We're gonna respond examining our thoughts. We're gonna respond by being a forgiving person. And then we're gonna respond with joy. It is this sustaining quality in our lives. So we're gonna look at the story of Joseph, not the whole story, just the first part of it this morning. And then we're gonna talk about some aspects of joy. But uh, Joseph, he was the son of Jacob. Jacob became Israel. Uh, Israel, Jacob was the son of Isaac. Isaac's dad was Abraham. So this is who Joseph is. We know that this is a famous Broadway play, Joseph in the Technicolor Dreamcoat. And he had, a, he had a very colorful coat that his dad gave to him. And, and one of the things that David was, uh, sorry, not David, Joseph was famous for was being a dreamer. In other words, receiving a dream from God. And this is true for all of us. As we are starting out in 2023, we should have some thoughts about our future. We should have some goals in mind. We should, we should have some things. Oh, this is what I want to accomplish this year. This is what I'm moving towards. And I believe God places these things in our heart, that God doesn't leave us alone, that within the context of our relationship, he is actually pulling us forward in his will. God was giving Joseph a dream. But we're going to see a little bit what happened with Joseph, even though he had a godly dream. And we can see some things here uh, that we can maybe identify with in the story of Joseph. Genesis uh, 37. And I'm, again, I'm not going to read the whole story. It's you can read it this afternoon, get all of the details. It's a great Bible story. Genesis 37, verse 2 says this. These are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being seventeen years old, was pastoring in the flock with his brothers. He was a boy with the sons of Bilhah and Zilpha, his father's wives. And Joseph brought a bad report of them to their father. Now, Israel loved Joseph more than any other of his sons because he was the son of his old age. And he made him a robe of many colors. Now, we can already see maybe some problems here within this family structure. And what is it is that uh, Jacob, Israel, loved Joseph more than his other children. This is not a good plan. It's not a good thing to do. And when we read the scripture, it's very important for us to understand that there's things descriptive in the scripture and prescriptive. In other words, they're describing things, but not things that we should do. And then there's things that God is actually prescribing us to do. So when we are reading descriptions sometimes, it's like, why is that in the Bible? Well, sometimes those things are in the Bible so you don't do them. They're described, but God is not prescribing them for your life. This is one of these things that is not prescriptive for you to, to do. You shouldn't have a favorite child. Are you out there this morning? You should love all of your children the same. It, it could create bad dynamics in your home. Verse four When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him. Could not speak peacefully to him. And who caused the problem? Dad caused the problem. So this is not prescriptive, dads. Well, you know, you're my favorite. Eh, No, causing problems in your life, dads. The the other siblings hated him because they saw this. Now listen, verse five, Joseph, 17 years old. Now, Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. First thought is that you got to be careful who you tell your dream to. Because some people will cheer you on, and some people who have had a really hard life will say, eh, probably not. I tried that one time and it didn't work out. Somebody sad and depressed, somebody who hasn't succeeded. They could throw a wet blanket. Some people think this is a ministry, actually, in the church. Wet blanket ministry. There is no such ministry. Throwing a wet blanket on your dreams. Had a dream, told his brothers. They hated him even more. He said to them, Hear this dream that I have dreamed, behold. We were binding seven, we were binding sheaves in the field. And behold, my sheaf arose and stood up. And behold, your sheaves gathered around it and bowed down to my sheaf. His brothers said to him, are you indeed to reign over us? In other words, you're the youngest. Shut up. Don't say anything. We hate you anyway. Are you going to reign over us? Are you going to rule over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. And he had another dream that he told his family that the the sun, moon, and stars would bow down to him. And this was kind of like, you know, when you're 17, you might interpret this dream as like, I'm going to be in charge of all of you. (laughs) Maybe he had a misunderstanding of the dream, which was true, because at the culmination of the dream, which you can read, you'll be able to read this afternoon, is that when there was a famine... In, in their homeland. And later on, Joseph, as we know, he's gonna end up in Egypt, he's gonna become a ruler in Egypt, that his family was there in front of them so he could actually save them from famine. That Joseph was being shown his future responsibility, not this future place where he was gonna lord power over everybody else. He maybe had a wrong interpretation of the dream and maybe his brothers did as well and they hated him for his dream, some thoughts about the future. And again, his brothers were very jealous of him. And then after the brothers heard these two different dreams that they were out in the field and Jacob sent Joseph to his brothers. And so they saw him coming from a distance. And so they huddled up. Okay, here he comes, they give a huddle. What are we gonna do? Listen, this is a dysfunctional family. Let's kill him. There's problems in this family all stemming from the dad and what he did. And one of the brothers like, no, 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 no. Let's not kill him. Let's just throw him in in a pit. And then eventually they sold him and then told his dad a story that he had been killed by an animal and they dipped his coat in blood. And this was the story that they told the father. Was about his favorite son. And now Joseph, with this dream, has now been sold to the Ishmaelites, who weren't the friends of Jacob and his family. So where do we go from here? You have this dream, and you're thinking that something is going to be something, and then inevitably, sometimes in life, we're finding ourselves, oh, this is not exactly what I imagined it would be having this dream from God. And sometimes in those moments, we're tempted to throw out the dream when things go sideways. We're just tempted, just like, well, maybe I I just didn't hear right. Maybe I'll just give up on the dream. Joseph, maybe my brothers will kill me. No, they sold me instead. And then the Ishmaelites sold him to a ruler in Egypt and his name was Potiphar. Let's pick up the story here in Genesis 39 verse one. Now Joseph had been brought down to Egypt and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard an Egyptian had brought him in, bought him from the Ishmaelites and had brought him down there. And the Lord was with Joseph and he became a successful man. When it seemed to go off the rails, He had a dream. His family hated him. His brothers wanted to kill him. They sold him. But then here, Joseph is becoming a successful man in a spot where he didn't actually dream that this would be the successful place he would be. And maybe his family was imagining something different as well. But here in the middle of this negative circumstance, Joseph is actually... Finding success. And he was in the house of his Egyptian master, and his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. So Joseph found favor in his sight, and he tended him, and he made him overseer of his house, and put him in charge of all that he had after being sold and being disappointed by his family. Now, we don't necessarily have the details of what. Or how Joseph carried himself. But I know for sure that Joseph didn't sit in the corner of Potiphar's house and have a pity party. They sold me. They hated me. No, he he was a successful man. He rose up in the middle of a spot in circumstances that he didn't expect that Joseph was making a choice in the middle of this difficult time. Didn't throw away the dream. And that God was causing him to be successful. Nobody liked him. And his family left him for dead. He was sold twice. He was turned into a commodity. But then he was finding the favor of God and the favor of God was showing up His life. Now the story continues. It actually gets worse before it gets better. Verse 6 Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. Where are we going with this? (laughs) These details are important for what's coming up. And after his master's wife cast her eyes on Joseph. Oh, this is where it's going. Got to read the Bible, friends. This handsome dude's got some good bone structure, form and appearance. Potiphar's wife is looking at him, casts her eyes on Joseph and says, Lie with me. And it wasn't nap time. <laughs> but he refused and said to his master's wife, Behold, because of, of, of my master has no concern about anything in this house, he has put everything that he has in my charge. In other words, Joseph was responsible, trustworthy. Wasn't he responsible and trustworthy? Why didn't he have a pity party? His family hated him. He was sold twice. I had a dream, God. I didn't expect to find myself here. He is not greater in this house than I am or he kept, back anything for me except you, because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against you, God? As he spoke to Joseph, and as she spoke to Joseph day after day, he would not listen to her to lie beside her or to be with her. Verse 11, but one day when he went into the house to do his work and none of the men of the house were there, she caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. But he left the garment in her hand and fled and got out of the house. And as soon as she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and had fled out the house, what happened? She refused him over and he refused her over and over again, then got a hold of his garment. And then she accused him of doing the thing that she actually wanted him to do. She was scorned, and you know the saying. Verse 19. And as soon as his master heard the words that his wife spoke to him, the lie that was told about him, things aren't going well for Joseph, friends. He had a dream. His family hated him, he's been sold twice. He's been faithful in Potiphar's house and have no choice of his own. He's being falsely accused. As soon as his master heard the words that his wife spoke to him, this is the way your servant treated me. His anger was kindled and Joseph master took him and put him in prison. The place where the King's prisoners were confirmed. But verse 21, the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever was done there, he was the one who did it. Now he's in prison, but what's happening? He's flourishing in prison. His family hated him, sold twice, falsely accused in prison. But he hasn't tossed out the dream. Eventually, you can read the story interprets Pharaoh's dream and he finds himself in the palace and then he becomes ruler in Egypt. And this is how the children of Israel got in Egypt. But I'm not gonna read the whole story today. You can read it this afternoon. Again, I don't know exactly the details of what Joseph did, but I know he didn't sit in the corner of the prison and have a pity party. Feel sorry for himself, find himself in despair. No, he's like, hey, okay, I'll be in charge down here too. I know God has given me a dream. I'm not going to give up on it. See, we have to decide to live in joy regardless. And it doesn't mean we're not going to feel other emotions. And it doesn't mean there's not going to be opportunities for despair and sadness and disillusionment. But we, in our lives as followers of Jesus, we have to choose the joy of the Lord. We have to decide. Let's decide in January that this is going to be a year of joy for me, regardless. See, the scripture tells us that, again, we're going to face things just like everybody else's faces. And Jesus told us that we're going to face tribulation. One of the indicators we see of this is like, you know, the the Bible tells us that we grieve, but we don't grieve like others with people who have no hope. So we grieve, followers of Jesus grieve, we're gonna face all of the emotions other people have. But we actually have this relationship with God and it means something. There's benefits to us being in a relationship with God that we can decide to live in the joy of the Lord. Proverbs 17:22 says this, a joyful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. A joyful heart, this quality on the inside, something on the inside of me, is good medicine. Choosing joy. But a crushed spirit dries the bones. Dries you up from the inside. We have to decide ahead of time that joy is our portion. James one, one of my favorite chapters in the whole Bible explains so much about the character and nature of God, and you'll hear me preach on this multiple times a year. James one, verse two: Can it all joy? My brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, know if you continue to read the chapter, we know that those trials, those evil things don't come from God. God is not sending us into evil to then redeem us. God is a good God. There's no shadow of turning in him, this chapter says. It, so we have to decide something. What do we have to decide? I'm gonna count it joy. When you meet trials of very, I'm gonna decide... To live in the joy of the Lord, even when I'm facing stuff. Why would we have to decide joy? Because from the thing is no joy. When we face a difficulty and a struggle and we find ourselves in the prison, we find ourselves falsely accused, our family doesn't like us. I'm going to count it joy. Not that joy, not that thing, but I'm going to decide to live in the joy of the Lord. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, patience, perseverance. Steadfastness, have have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So I'm going to decide to respond in joy so that I can grow up in patience. Why? Because when we have a dream, listen, what happens to us, we have a dream, we also associate timing with it. Like I have a dream, it's all gonna to come to pass tomorrow for sure. And then it doesn't happen tomorrow and it doesn't happen year one and then it doesn't happen year five and it's very easy again just to give up. But when, when things come and, and, and sidetrack us, don't give up on your dream. Don't quit. Don't be disillusioned. I'm gonna decide to live in joy. Because when I decide to live in joy, then patience is gonna grow up in me and we all need to be more patient. Doesn't mean I'm giving up on the dream. God placed that dream in my heart. But I'm gonna decide to live in joy. John 15, verse 17 we're gonna see a word repeated over and over again in, these, in this portion of scripture, and the word is abide. John 15, seven says this. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. For, this is my, for by this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as the father... Just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. These things have I spoken to you that my joy may be in you and your joy may be full. So all of this has meaning. We, we ended up in the fullness of God's joy and this is what we want. But what do we have to choose before that? Well, I'm gonna abide in the love of God. I am going to remain in God's love. I'm gonna choose to stay in the place of God's word. These are all internal things that are happening. And when I choose his love and I choose his word, my joy will be full. Listen, there's gonna be stuff all of the time. There's gonna be tribulation in the world around us. There's gonna be stuff that we have to go through, but the dream is still out in front of us. We're Not gonna give up on the God-given dreams. We're not good at measuring time. Again, especially in our society, we can get everything fast. We can get stuff fast. See, but God is wanting you to trust him with the dream that he's given you. And that includes the timing of it. So we're gonna choose joy on the journey. I'm gonna abide in his love. I'm gonna abide in his word. I'm gonna dwell there. I'm gonna continue there. Romans 12, 12 says this Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. Three good words to describe us this, this year. What are we going to do? We're going to rejoice, we're going to be patient, and we're going to be constant. Rejoice just means joyfully, be glad. I'm gonna to choose to be glad because again, all of the stuff that happens in life doesn't necessarily make me glad. We could look, we could have got up this morning if we didn't see the weather report, we could have got up and looked out the window and just been, ah, snow. I mean, this, it's a silly example. But there's people like that. You can just live in this place that everything is bad. And then you watch the news to have it all confirmed. And then we just live in this place. We abide in this other place, but God is wanting us to abide in him, in his love. Galatians 5, and 23, fruit of the spirit. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, Against such things, there is no law. One of my Bible school instructors uh, would illustrate our lives uh, like a car. He was a big car guy. And, you know, it's very important, he would say, when you're looking on the dash of your car, it's really important to know how your car is. And he would liken this to our lives. And he said, it's very important for you to know the two dials of your life joy and peace. Because these are inner qualities that we have to be aware of. Because if either of these things get to empty, we find ourselves in trouble. But neither of these things have to get to empty in our lives. Because God gives us and provides us these things when we abide in him. And finally this. That we need to find joy in our relationship with God. Psalm 51 Verse 10, this is written by David after a time where he had messed up. Psalm 51, 10, he said, "'Create in me a clean heart, O God, "'and renew a right spirit within me. "'Cast me not away from your presence, "'and take not your Holy Spirit from me. "'Restore to me the joy of your salvation, "'and uphold me with a willing spirit.'" The joy of your salvation. just this relationship that we have with God. Intrinsic to it is joy. We think about who God is and what he has provided for us. And then he walks with us. He doesn't leave us alone. Doesn't leave us alone when, when our family doesn't like us. And we find our sp- ourselves in a spot that we didn't expect. That we can have the joy of our salvation restored to us. And our salvation actually comes from him. See, God is a God of blessing and we experience God's blessings in so many ways, but we can get our our attention on the blessings and forget the blesser. And this is where joy comes from. Just me with God. The joy of your salvation, you saved me. You didn't leave me alone. You changed my eternity forever. so I can have joy in that relationship. See, and this is what God wants for all of us. And as we have been doing every week here at the City Church and we're mentioning, you know, if you don't know Jesus, the best thing for you to do to start out your 2023 is to say yes to Jesus. We can't save ourselves. God sent Jesus so that we could be saved. What does that mean? Just to be saved into a a relationship with God. Jesus lived a sinless life. He died on the cross. God raised him from the dead. And because all of that has happened, God offers to us a relationship with himself. And all we have to do is say yes this morning. So before we receive communion here in a second, we just wanna make sure that everybody is in that relationship with God. If you've never said yes to Jesus, or maybe you're here this morning and you feel like you know, you're distant from God this morning. You know God is not mad at you today. God invites you close to himself. So I'm gonna pray a prayer here in a second. And this prayer is just a starting point for your relationship with God we're gonna pray this out loud with you. So church, let's bow our heads and close our eyes and let's pray this out loud, praying with somebody who might be praying it for the first time or rededicating their life to Christ. God, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that he lived a sinless life. He died on the cross and you raised him from the dead so I could know you. So today I say yes to that relationship. I say yes to your righteousness. God, I call you my father. Jesus, I call you my Lord. God, I purpose to follow after your ways and I turn from my own. I thank you for salvation today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's receive communion together this morning. It's there. And the seat in front of you, or if you're on the front row, it's by the leg of your chair. And just a, a quick reminder uh, to help the ushers clean up afterwards, after we're done, communion, if you could put it back in that same uh, spot that you took it out of this morning. Luke 22, verse 19 says this. This is Jesus at the Last Supper. Oh, just to remind you, there's two portions to it. There's the top cellophane piece. You can open it up and hold the wafer. And he took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So Jesus, as he's instituting the last supper, he tells us the purpose of it. And then he tells us what to do that we would remember him that his body, as he's about to go to the cross was gonna be broken for us. Isaiah 53 says, he took stripes on his back. So our bodies can be healed. So as we remember this notion today that we know when Jesus walked the earth that he was famous for healing, Jesus Christ is same yesterday, today, and forever. So if we're facing any sickness and disease here in the room today, or maybe today we're suffering from a broken heart, you know, God heals human hearts. Let's remind ourselves, let's remember who Jesus is. So let's just pray today. God, we thank you for Jesus today. We thank you that he is our healer. We remember your goodness today, Lord, that Jesus sacrificed his body for ours. And so God, this morning, we just open ourselves up today to your spirit. God, we thank you that you heal us because you love us you heal us because of your grace. And so we just open ourselves up, Lord, to your healing power today from the top of our head to the soles of our feet. We thank you, Lord, that your power is greater than any sickness and disease that we could face. God, we thank you, Lord, that you heal the brokenhearted today. God, we thank you that we never have to be afraid of your spirit that your Holy Spirit comes and indwells us with his love and his grace. God, we thank you for that today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's eat together. You can open up the bottom portion. Verse 20 says, and likewise the cup, After they had eaten, saying, This cup has been poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. The scripture says, Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. So, as we hold this this morning, we are supposed to be reminded of the fact of God's forgiveness, that God offers us forgiveness today. For all the mistakes that we've made, for all the sins that we committed, that God is not looking at our past and deciding our future. But God gives us grace. Aren't you thankful for that today? Let's just pray before we drink. God, we're so thankful today for Jesus and his shed blood. And so we come to you today, Lord, know that you are are offering us forgiveness, that your mercies are new every morning. We're so thankful, Lord, that we can stand righteous in your presence today, not because of our own goodness, but because of the actions of Jesus, because of his shed blood. That we are in a relationship with you today, Lord, because you forgive us. We thank you, Lord, that you are washing us clean from our past and our sins. We receive your forgiveness today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's drink together.